In this session, I interview my former boss and mentor, Jay Lamke. He is going to talk about AI and what it will mean for the future of sales and life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Sales Edge Podcast, where we bring you the best of the best as it relates to building a company, building your territory, hunting big deals, keeping your accounts, and growing your accounts. We're honored to have you here today listening, and today we got really an amazing show because I get to bring you one of the most impactful mentors of my life, Jay Lamke. Now, Jay is the president of Government Acquisition Incorporated. He's going to talk a little bit about that, and they sell into the federal government space. Now, real quick, how I met Jay. In my years at Gateway, if you followed my career, I was a little bit of the golden boy at first, rose to the top of sales, selling over the phone, became a sales leader, then eventually went on to build the training programs at Gateway that helped propel that company to billions of dollars of revenue. I was then asked to go take over a division, it was called the public sector division at Gateway, which I gladly did. Little did I know I was going to have a new boss, and it was Jay Lamke, who I have here today. And, you know, I was really somebody in my professional career that, that by, uh, you know, hustle and charisma that did pretty well. And lo and behold, I started working with somebody that had different skill sets. And I was pretty good at staying in front of the group and motivating people and doing my skill set, training and coaching and teaching. And I met Jay. Now, Jay was a corporate man. He was a guy that companies would bring in when they were publicly traded to grow the company, grow the bottom line. And to do that, you know, it's got to be part of it. It's got to be metric intense. You know, the old saying that says you can't manage what you can't measure. And I got to tell you, when I started working with Jay, it didn't go so well. Jay came in and started pressing me on numbers and forecasts and pipeline and what was going on in all the big deals. And I didn't have the answer. And I got to tell you, it was extremely uncomfortable. And really, the outcome of today's lesson, today's podcast is what happens when you get out of your comfort zone? What happens when you go to work with somebody or you have a mentor or a coach that's going to pull you outside of the things that you're already good at to round your skills to help you become even better? And as I look back on my 30-year career, you know, two people that I would signify out that I've worked for. One is Matt Millian, you've heard on these podcasts before. And the other one is our guest today, Jay Lamke. Jay, welcome to the Sales Edge podcast. Great to be here, Gene. Hey, Jay, for some people that don't know you, walk us through your career. And I remember one of the things that you made me do at first was read a book called Semper Fi, which was about the Marine way but as it applied to business. And to this day, I still quote sayings out of that book. And I never would have read it had you not made me read it. But walk us through your career and how the military had impact on you. Well, so first of all, Gene, I, I would say uh, I'm glad you brought that book up. It's um, the, the Marines have an amazing way of indoctrinating people into their culture. And um and they do that by making them very, very uncomfortable, right? And that was one of the things you, you talked about before. So um, the being uncomfortable is really what sets the stage for uh, to take on something new and to have real personal growth. And so 
Um, that's why I had you guys read that. And it's a, it's a powerful book um, about a, you know, a very powerful culture uh, and how they do it. So had had huge impact on me. Um, I'll give you a little bit of uh, personal background uh, and maybe some professional uh, without going on too long. My wife says I'll drone on if you ask me these things. So uh, personal, I grew up uh, in South Louisiana outside of New Orleans. Um, I was fortunate. uh, My family didn't have a bunch of money, but I was fortunate to grow up on the bayous so I could do literally anything um, I could. And I had what people call today free range parents, right? Like they, they let us do anything. Um, and so I, I, I got into sailing. My parents were in the sailboat business, which is a great business to be in if you don't want to make any money. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time doing that. And so as a result, I was fortunate enough to hook up with some people, do some uh, a lot of ocean crossing. So I've crossed the Atlantic and the Pacific a number of times on sailboats that uh, seem big when you're at the dock, but feel awfully small when you're out in the ocean. Um, and then as a part of that, I was um, eventually in 1987, I was out of high school and in college, um, I was invited out to try out for the America's Cup, 1987 America's Cup team called Stars and Stripes, which uh, went on to win the America's Cup in Perth, Australia. And so uh, I was invited out to do that, was very humbled by that, met a lot of people and had a lot of fun. Um, then I realized I needed to, uh, to to get back to work and buckle down. And so... Um, I was, I went to a company uh, called Tech Data and Dis- uh, Technology Distribution. And, and frankly, at the time I interviewed with them, I had no idea what they did. Um, but I got in and from a selling standpoint, I'll tell you, it was the most amazing thing. Prior to that, I had been uh, selling uh, boats for my parents or commercial real estate um, on my own. And commercial real estate, you're walking door to door, knocking on doors, trying to find prospects. And so I went to this uh company that was growing very rapidly was uh, the second largest distributor in the world. And, uh, and they gave me a customer list and said, here, call these people. They've bought from us before. And I'm like, wow, this is easy. And so, uh, so uh, kind of like you and your career at, uh, at Gateway, I, you know, t- to me, it was shooting fish in a barrel, right? It was the easiest thing in the world. All I had to do was uh, re-engage people who knew who we were go build a relationship with them and get them back in the fold. And so, uh, so I, I, I had a lot of success there and I, I started a uh, division for them and uh, which was the public sector division. And, and then I went to work for their largest competitor. They hired me away and promoted me to, uh, to lead a multi-billion dollar, about two, uh, almost $3 billion organization at the age of 29. And, and I'll tell you, I was, um, I had to quickly learn or quickly had all any leadership I had in my, uh, in my history I had to manifest quickly uh, when you're a 29 year old and the vast, vast majority of the almost 700 people at that time that worked for me uh, are much older than you, you, uh, you, you know, you got to learn some things quick. So, so I learned a lot there and, and, uh, but had some incredible growth and a lot of fun, got hired away. That's where I met you at, uh, at uh, Gateway. And so I left Gateway and you know, had, a, had a great run there. Uh, we all did. We had a lot of fun. Um, I went on to, uh, I've, I've led multiple technology companies through the year. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be president of this company today. Um, and, and I think, um, so I, we serve the, what I believe is the most important customer in the world is the U.S. federal government. We specialize at bringing them technology solutions, specifically right now around AI. 
Um, so we're working hard to help the federal government optimize and be the world leader in artificial intelligence because I, I see that as the biggest technological shift to come along in our lifetime. It will, uh, it will change everything we do. So I, I consider that good work with an amazing customer and I feel very fortunate to, uh, to lead this company. So. so obviously everybody has had some impact with COVID and you know, right now it's October, 2020. Last six months have been challenging. How has it impacted your business? So um, it, 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 numbers of ways, right? Like we could probably uh, have, a, have an hour on that. Um, I would tell you that the the very first thing, uh, Gene, that I that I realized when this is first of all, we we needed to see this not as a struggle but as an opportunity, right? Um, which is mm. kind of in my DNA, as as you know. And so, um, I, I have a big belief and and a practice that I've tried to instill, um, and I tell customers this all the time: that who you are in the face of adversity is what defines you. Um, and, and so one of the things I talk to customers about is we're really good when things go wrong. I know that's a weird way to sell, but things will go wrong when you're doing complex things. And uh, so who you are in the face of that adversity is really what defines you. So um, I saw this as an opportunity for us to, uh, to really lead, right? And so it, it, leadership becomes critically important. Management's always important, but leadership at those times becomes king. So what I did and what we learned and what we uh, worked with the team on is your team needs to see you more than ever, and they need to see you not worried. They need to see you resolute, and they need to know that you have a plan to lead them through what's going on, and they need a ton of communication because you think about one thing, when, when crisis hits, um, and this crisis wasn't like a 9-11 thing, it obviously manifested over some period of time, but people are only worried at a situation like that of what does this mean for me and my family? Yep. So um, as they need a leader that looks them in the eye, and in this case, looks them in the eye over a, over a Zoom or a, a Teams call and says, you're going to be fine, I'm going to take care of you folks as it relates to the custom, to the company and your job. Don't worry about that. Let's focus on your on your families and your well-being and your customers, right? And so I, I hope that our team will will figure that I believe that teams look back at these times and they'll remember you as a leader and how you acted in those critical moments, right? So so I, I guess I would sum that up, Gene, is what I call situational leadership. So the situation called for strong leadership. I hope that we demonstrated that. I've gotten some feedback from the team that would say we do. Um, so, so we learned that, right? Um, and, and then the second thing is, is that being in IT, we had an interesting challenge, kind of a two-part challenge, right? So one was we had to rapidly react to enable our own team to work effectively from home. So we're fortunate. Um, we have the vast majority of our company is remote anyway, but all of our headquarters staff was not. So we had to act very, very quickly um, to enable them to work from home. Um, and at the same time, our customers needed us and our expertise to help them through this exact same thing more than ever. So I, I don't want to overstate this and certainly compare us to first responders, but it's like what I called internally, I've said it's like the IT version of what I imagine happens when a natural disaster hits and you're a first responder. You have to go take care of 
of, of the issue because your role calls for it and, and, the, and the broader population needs you. But at the same time, you have your own family that you're concerned about, right? So it's this management of the, of the two things because that's the job you signed up for. So, so th that was an interesting kind of a two-part um, thing. And so we were able to see what was happening pretty early, react on the folks that were not able to work from home secure the equipment we needed very rapidly. Um, and, and by the way, the rapid movement right there, um, not hesitating, but going out and acquiring and spending that money, by the way, it was a massive expense, right? To, uh, to get people who had desktops at work, but get them a laptop, a docking station, a, a, you know, a monitor and a headset and, and that, those types of things. The, the fact that we moved very quickly at the time, we didn't think about it, but um, was really um, fortuitous because after the fact, the supply chains really got cramped down and the, and the companies who didn't move really quickly couldn't get the supply. So we were fortunate enough, we moved rapidly um, and got our people to work from home. So we learned a lot in that process. Um, and, and then here, here's the other thing we learned um, uh, about our customers is um, they weren't interested in talking to us the same way right? They, not, no casual conversations. They're scrambling because you think about it, we're dealing with the IT organization and the IT organization is the ones who are tasked with trying to get everybody working in, in their organization, their federal agency working from home. So if you didn't have a solution for them at that moment, then they had no interest in talking to you. So we realized that our role as a solution provider had never been more important to them so we needed to refine and be very precise in the way we communicated to them, bring our solutions to them, let them know what we have that can help them enable their workforce to work from home and get that done very quickly and very clearly. So we launched a work from home campaign. We supported it with video and so forth. And, and we were able to help our customers uh, through this time. And, um, and help them enable their workforce to, to work from home. So, so that was very cool. Um, I, I would say there's probably one other thing um, that we learned through this and we're still learning. And we, we, again, we could probably talk forever about that is, I, I think that we realized that the field rep, so we didn't realize that early on, but we've realized it through this process, the, the field reps role is likely forever changed. The uh, the dare I say old school field rep, right? That, that role has probably changed forever. Um, and funny, I was talking to Matt Millen the other day, and we were saying, is this the end of the field rep or the beginning of the end of the of the traditional field rep? And and I would say it's the beginning of the end. Um, certainly gonna gonna be a different a role going forward, and you know we can talk about that all you want. Hey, hey Jay, so almost every company that I have talked to and observed and read and all that stuff have had forced breakthroughs. Like a forced breakthrough would say, you know, because everybody's busy doing, we're doing their business in January, February, and March, 2020. And then boom, we had a, a massive change in the whole world. Throughout that six months later, there are forced breakthroughs such as more visual meetings, over communication, using whether it's Teams or Google or Google Hangouts or Zoom or WebEx, where people were maybe passively using it in the past. Now it's like that is the method. 
What have been some of the, let's call them forced breakthroughs that you break through it, you, you get a solution in place and you look at it and go, we may never go back to the old way. What have been a couple of those? Yeah, so a uh, great question and, and you're spot on with your statement. And so there's, um, there's so many here that I could, uh, could talk about. Um, I, I think the learnings are numerous, number one, but frankly, there we're, I see us as just at the beginning of, of well, you know, kind of the breakthroughs and what we're learning. Um, you, you said it right at the, at the beginning is nothing drives change like an urgent situation, right? So one of, the, one of the big key learnings we had was, look, we had been talking about how do we, you know, in a modern workforce, how do we enable our people to work from home more often? How do we give them some degree of flexibility, especially the ones that are tenured, right? Have been doing their jobs. We're fortunate enough to have had people in their roles for many, many years. And so that's a lot of trust. And so how do we enable? But we, but you know, you hem and you haw and you're afraid to, eh, but I don't know if what happens if we do this. Well, when the stuff hits the fan, like happened then, all that goes away. The fog clears really nicely. <laughs> and uh, all that debate about what you should be doing is gone and you just execute right so and 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 you realized in doing that that first of all a massive amount of your fears were totally unjustified right like geez why were we so worried about that um and so it one of our big one of my biggest learnings as a leader is i say to myself why did it take that to cause us to do that why don't how do we behave like this all the time right how do we behave wow. like like there's something urgent about to happen because it may be right so, so there's, there's that kind of thing. And, and uh, we had some really powerful learnings uh, about that. I, I would say, you know, you hit on online meetings, right? So we used them supplementally here and there. We weren't that good at it. We didn't have, so look, we leverage, we learned that not only can online meetings be very powerful, but frankly, they can speed up the process. So if, you know, how many times did we used to sit around and, every, and jockey in with people's calendars and this guy's flying in from somewhere and this woman's flying in from somewhere to do this presentation and to get everybody in the same room at the same time to have the same discussion sometimes takes forever. And so now we've learned, boy, you just get on a, on a Zoom or a Teams call and bang, there, there you go. And you can see everybody. Uh, you can present content. You can still collaborate. So we're learning how to do that a whole lot better. Um, and, and that's, a, I think, a very powerful learning. Our, our travel and entertainment budget will probably never be the same. And I think that's a, that's a great thing. Look, it, it, nothing will take the place of human contact face to face, but the type of it and the frequency and so forth, I, I, I believe will change. Um, we learn to leverage social media so much more. Um, I've been you know, trying to do a better job at LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn and, and I've read a number of things and heard a number of podcasts and so forth about how many people underutilize LinkedIn. And so we was, I was pushing the team, but you know, not, not hard. And, and again, one of those things. So now it's like, geez, guys, it is critical that we have a really tight online profile that we are producing meaningful content that has people come to us that when people go to, to look at you now, they see meaningful content, meaningful engagement. And so we have, we brought in the LinkedIn folks and we brought in some outside consultants and we trained everybody up on that. So, um, so that was a huge learning. Um, I, I, so I, I talked a little bit about the field rep of the future. I think um, 
is, is very different. I think what we're going to see is the hybrid type rep gene. And um, I think they will, the rep of, I was having this really interesting conversation with my middle son, who's uh, just transitioned from a field, from an inside rep to a field rep. And he was saying, God, yeah, I got in the field and I, I can't even go see customers. And I'm like, dude, you are at the right place at the right time your role as what you would have done will probably never be the same. And so you're a guy who just came out of doing a great job on the inside. I think the skills you had there combined. So I see the rep is not a field or an inside, but a hybrid. And I see them needing to be supported and surrounded with a complex set of tools. So the analogy I'm using for my team right now is if you've ever seen formula one racing, I love formula one racing. It's so so cool. If you've ever seen the steering wheel of a Formula One race car, it's just this incredibly complex uh, um, thing that has access to all everything they need to to make in flight adjustments or in in race adjustments. And so, we need to provide our field our hybrid reps going forward with this complex steering wheel and dashboard of tools that they're very well trained in. They're going to have to be very well trained in. They're going to have to be very proficient and know how to use them. So it's tools such as the obvious stuff, online meetings, things we've talked about, in-depth knowledge of LinkedIn, but also the support things like being able to work very, very closely with marketing and have a direct tie into the marketing organization, have a direct tie into um, lead generation organizations like the the company that um, we're doing a lot of work right now with the company that Matt Millen is the uh, is chief revenue officer, or chief growth officer, it's called Sapper Consulting. We've had great success with those. So our reps need to be able to work with a company like that and run their own micro campaigns and be inside when they need to be, be in the field when they need to be and have that much tighter integration and a set of tools at their disposal. So uh, I, I will tell you from my standpoint and my sales leadership standpoint, we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out what those tools are and how we leverage them much more powerfully. Uh, uh, one last thing and then I'll, I'll stop because I'm probably droning on, but um videos we have found companies we can produce videos so when you're doing ai and machine learning and uh cybersecurity and things like that it's some of that stuff is you you know is very complex and so you, you need the ability to distill complex uh, thoughts complex things down into a simplified message and we've learned that we there's some of these companies that are very cost effective so that we can and that and that content lasts that that goes on right it has lots of uses so we can generate our own content with these companies very cheap or very low cost i should say and then and then have that be reproduced to take to distill complex messages down into uh, much more simple visual forms if that makes sense Jay, you, you've you've touched on AI, artificial intelligence, and you mentioned earlier, like you see this as the future. Can you give us some of your perspective from your viewpoint on where that's going and what 5G means to that? Yeah, yeah. so uh, careful. So here's the, I'll, I'll, I'll make a rule because I don't know how long we got on this thing, but you, you just go, Jay, stop talking. Because when you make me, if you let me talk about AI, I'll go on forever. So I'll try to, I'll try to be precise. Um, so look, AI in general, um, I, I would tell you, um, this is, uh, if for people who aren't paying attention to what's happening in their life right now, what that AI is doing, um, it, they, they need to read up, study up, learn. This is the most powerful technological 
shift that has come along and will come along in our lifetime. And what happens when this powerful of a technological shift occurs is that this presents the opportunity for a complete shift in the balance of power in the world. So I said we serve the most important customer in the world, in my personal opinion, the U.S. federal government. If the U.S. federal government does not lead in AI and China or Russia or the other bad guys do, bad things will happen. Um, there's a guy named uh, Kai-Fu Lee who, read a, who, who wrote a great book called AI, AI Superpowers in the New World Order. And he says, he who leads in AI leads the world. I will tell you that the Chinese are throwing billions and billions of dollars and people at lead at trying to lead in AI. And so the, it's, it's critical that we do the same thing from a U.S. federal government standpoint. Now, it's not limited to U.S. government. The, um, Amazon, Google, those folks are doing amazing things with AI. It's mostly around um, you know, anticipatory things and, and serving up um, the, the proper ads and the proper products and so forth for you. But AI is doing amazing things. It's also the key thing behind the key driver behind driverless you know, um, cars, right? Self-driving automobiles. I believe, and I've told my kids this, I have three boys that are um, all grown and in the workforce. They're 28, 26, 24. And I've said to them, your children will, ne in my personal opinion, your children will never own an automobile. Um, they will step outside. They will summon a car that will come. It will be driverless. Some people will have big businesses owning cars that work for them 24-7, going to uh, pick people up and be a, a taxi cab, if you will. Uber knows this, and Uber's scrambling to, to get there. Um, so, so I think autonomous vehicles, uh, it's going to change that forever. Truck driver will be a, unfortunately, will be a, a thing of the past. That's going to happen very soon. Um, AI doesn't sleep. It doesn't take coffee breaks. It doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't uh, reach down and adjust the stereo. It doesn't anything when, when, and it has millions in, in the form of an automobile, an AI enabled car has millions of sensors uh, that are operating at machine speed way faster than a than a human being can see if something a situation occur and put their foot on the brake as you know when you're traveling fast that takes time and and the car's traveling AI AI reacts immediately in those situations so so I think it's very powerful uh, 5G is one of the the bandwidth that 5G offers is what's going to enable um, incredible analytics and self-driving and those types of things at the edge, right? Um, so that decision-making, that powerful instantaneous machine-based decision-making to happen um, without having to be in a giant, you know, um, computer data center type of thing. So I hope it didn't drone on too much there, but they, it's, uh, it's fascinating because I'm, I'm writing notes and, you know, I'm going to go back and listen to this again and again. And it's what, what, because I'm not in your business doing what you do. I hear about AI and what I hear is everything's going to change. 5G is kind of the, what the pipeline that supports it. And, you know, what you see on TV is, you know, life will never be the same. You're going to do things you never imagined. And, you know, the truth is I never would have been able to imagine that we could do something like this, or I could hit a button called FaceTime and 
be, I could be in China and you could be in Florida and we could have a real-time conversation. The only vision I had of that was watching a cartoon when we were kids called the Jetsons. You remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it didn't even seem possible other than self-driving yeah, I, cars. I, I, I would just tell you that, but in that context, sorry to inter interrupt, but um, I, I, I encourage people don't think of AI as Skynet, right? Don't think of um, Terminator and Skynet. That there's so much good that AI can can bring in. Some people are worried AI is going to take my job. It will take some jobs. What it will do is, for the most part, is free up human beings that are in in rote, low value roles to to level up and um, and use their you know, uh, human, their God-given capability in a much more powerful way by, um, by certain tasks being automated. So, um, so I, I, I always encourage people to think about AI for good, not, not Skynet, right? Anyway. That's so exciting. And, and I'm on your LinkedIn page right now and you've got conferences going on. It looks like you're what is it? What is it? The GTC twenty. Yeah, conference. Nvidia. We were uh, we were in Nvidia is the makes the GPUs that are really leading um, the uh, the the graphic process units that are the are what's the main driver behind what's happening in AI. Uh, we're a huge partner of theirs. Uh, in fact, we were their public sector partner of the year last year. I'm very proud of that. And so they have their big conference going on for the federal government. Um, I think they had, I don't know, 13,000 people or so today. And, and we did a session, we did three sessions, but one of them was, uh, was around kind of the, the future of AI for the government. And so, uh, that that's actually going on right now. Yeah. I think it was about three years ago now that you and I both reconnected at the, what was it? The cybersecurity conference in, what was it? DC. Yep. yep. And we reconnected. You never know for listeners out there, you never know when, you have a good relationship with people, life moves on, and then there's that reconnection moment, and here we are. It's just pretty ironic, and, and um, you know, fate is a, a pretty interesting thing to think about and study. Hey, Jay, I want to no switch doubt. gears. Yep. Talk about mentorship. A lot of the listeners right now are, are fairly new in sales. They're in their first five or 10 years. And I know if I look back, somebody asked me when I was getting interviewed on a podcast, if you could talk to your 20-year-old self, and this is kind of a cliche question, but it's a good one, you know, what would you tell yourself? And I said, I would have been far more proactive at seeking mentors, not just the ones that came into my life, coaches or my dad or my uncles or my sales manager, but I'm like finding mega successful people and, and having the courage to say, can I get 15 minutes of your time? Or can I take you to lunch or coffee? I was afraid to do that. I was, I, I thought they'd say no. And who am I to ask them? But who are some of your best mentors? Yeah. yeah. So God, there's so many. Um, and, 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 but just before I answer that, um, I think to your point there, when you become a mentor for somebody, you realize when you sit in that seat, you realize how much you enjoy it, right? And and uh, mentoring somebody and how generous you want to be with your time when you can mentor someone. And so I think you're spot on with what you would say to your younger self is go seek mentors and don't think they're too busy for you. People love to help people. Successful people love to transfer their success, right? I, I tell my kids all the time, and, and by the way, I don't consider myself one of those successful people 
You are uh, necessarily, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I say to my kids, I'm like, dude, learn from me. Like, you know, I've, I've done a lot. I mentor people. Maybe I can help you. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not an idiot, you know? Um, and, and so, uh, but, but listen on the, uh, there's, there's so many, I'll tell you a couple, couple, um, off the top that, that have made a huge impact on me. Uh, early in my career at uh, Tech Data, which was my first um, um, step into the technology world, we had this uh, senior VP of sales. His name was Fred Snow, and he was this really debonair Englishman um, with a, just a snow white head of hair. And um, th this guy was so, he taught me so many things I, I, I couldn't hardly list it. And here's something I, I, I was just thinking about is I got to call him and say, and let him know the impact. So you saying that it made me say, I got to call this guy and let him know the impact he's had on me. Um, but, but so, so many things from him, um, I, I use every day, but one thing is we had come out of a customer meeting and, um, the customer was not happy and it was really my fault. Uh, and, and we we're standing on the side and I won't try to, of, of the road and I won't try to imitate Fred's voice, but he said, he said, Jay, listen, the formula for happiness is expectations minus reality. So hmm. if you set expectations too high, there can be no happiness. And you set their expectations so high, you actually did a decent job, but you, you had given them these expectations. He was like, you need to practice under-promising, over-delivering, and, and start to live by that. And, and so I, I have tried. I certainly, there's, there's times I do, but that's one of the things I, I I've very much carried um, into into my life. I also saw that guy in a negotiation that was from my seat sitting in the table looked like it was going totally against him. And I watched him turn the table around. Um, it was like watching a heavyweight fight when I was, you know, 22, three years old or whatever, watching this guy in this big, big meeting. And the other company guy was coming at him really hard. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, Fred's dead. And he just came out just calm as, as could be. And just, you know, it, 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 at the end of the meeting, we got in the car and I was like, that was amazing. So he, he, I just learned a lot watching that guy. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, another one. Jerry Stead was our CEO at Ingram micro when I got there. Um, Ingram when I got there was 18 billion um, and he taught me a ton about um, building consensus and getting buy-in with your leadership team. So he, we, we had a, a VP and above global meeting, right, um, every other week. And we would sit in there and we would talk and his whole, the rules were, we will talk about the things that matter to the business. And your obligation as an executive, if you're opposed to the way we're going, you have an obligation to voice your opposition, do it respectfully, do it, you know, articulate the, the why, and we'll argue until we get to the right answer. But be clear, when we make a decision, your other obligation when you leave this room as an executive is you will get in line behind that. And so I've always, so I approach my, my leadership team all the time and the way we set objectives and get to that is, is I, I try to practice that. And what I find, by the way, is when people get to argue and debate, they're way more bought in. So it changed the way I, uh, I work with my leadership team. And then I'll tell you the, the one other, and again, I could go on, but uh, is Millen. You know, we talked about Matt Millen. Um, Millen, if any of you ever listened to his, uh, his podcast or any of his things, is a powerful presence. Um, 
And so uh, Millen worked for me. We worked together. Then he worked at, a, at one company. He worked for me at another at Gateway, and then we were peers at Gateway. And then he's gone on to do his things, and I've gone on to do mine. And we've remained very, very tight. Um, and so he wasn't an official mentor, right? But just who he was, he taught me through his actions and still does today, Gene, and I'm sure he does this to you. His personal presence is something to behold, right? He's effective. He's very precise in his communication and he's intense. He's like my wife in this regard. My wife and he are, two, you know, are kind of the same person. He gets out of bed in the morning like he's shot out of a cannon. So he's with intention and purpose, you know, that there's no wasted anything in that guy's life. And it, it's very cool. I learned a ton from him. He's a, uh, he's a great person and a, and a great friend. And so it was nice to learn things from, from him. So there's so much opportunity to model. And this is for, for the listener right now, who is around you right now that you can go to and say, Hey, can you give me some advice? And as Jada said, People that have achieved things, you know, success is a, you know, is a, is a very vague word, but people that have achieved things, it's almost like Jay, a moral obligation to share your wisdom. Like your those main people did in your lives. Yep. Right. And of course I mentioned, you mentioned about with the kids, mine are the same way. They're like, Oh yeah, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, I, I do. I, I've done some pretty big things. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm perfect, but just, there's some basics. You, you you watch your dad do what he does and we get to go do some pretty cool things. And anyway, that's, that's a, a parenting dilemma, I think uh, is yeah. not unique to no us, doubt. but I love, you know, I, I gotta, th- I gotta remind, you know, myself of like when, when you and I first got together, Jay, and, you know, I was running a big piece of business. I think it was, you know, the inside sales and customer service, about a $700 million division of gateway. And you were our new boss and, and we had done some pretty good things and you came in and, and you noticed the things that I wasn't good at, which was numbers, metrics, and you know, significant attention to detail. And you pressed and pressed and pressed. And I had just put people around me that were very good at that. But I realized, you know, the, as uncomfortable as that was, and I eventually moved and, and joined Matt Millen in the small to medium business division. Five years later, I was in a different company in a smaller company and somebody came and said, yeah, you, you're the spreadsheet guru. <laughs> it was such a, an interesting and unique transition. Cause I, I never would have put attention to that and, and, and taken the courses and, 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 and had people teach me how to do things like pipeline and forecasts and being able to look at numbers and look at patterns in the numbers had not, had you not taken me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Gene, uh, no, you're, you're quite welcome. And uh, I'll tell you, though, so you, you're, you've poked fun at what you weren't good at and, and have learned from that. But what you've always been amazing at, and you were, and I was in awe at that point, um, is um, you were a great leader and a great communicator. And so I watched you get your team together um, every week and every morning and talk to them about what was going on and make them feel so, so I practice this, uh, today. And, and that is you, you made your, that your team knew what was going on in the big picture. They knew what it meant to them and they knew what their role in that was. And they left 
every morning with a shot of adrenaline and caffeine kind of thing and fired up about what they were doing. So not, not just motivation, you're a great motivator back then and, and you still are, but it's, but it was effective communication. Right. And so you were outstanding at that uh, still are. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was, it was good to watch. So in, in that regard, you absolutely mentored me in terms and inspired me to, to try to be a better communicator. Jay, you meant a lot to me. You've been a great mentor. Now, a lot of people listening to this, how can they follow you or, or see your stuff? Is the best place LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn. It's uh, Jay, J-A-Y, Lambkey, L-A-M-B-K-E. And the uh, company is Government Acquisitions Incorporated. So uh, just Jay Lambkey at Government Acquisitions. Yeah, when you connect to Jay, you're not only going to be able to see what's going on, like the foresight of of artificial intelligence, which it is no secret that is the future. And if you're listening right now and you're not studying the patterns of what is going to happen, you're going to miss out. So Jay is great at just sharing insights as well as sharing articles, as well as what's going on with government acquisition. Jay, final question. Yep. Hot seat question. If you had to narrow it down to the lesson, the, the, the phrase, the thing that you think about when times are tough or you've just crushed it and, and you start over at zero the next quarter, what's one of the favorite, you know, one-liners that, that just, you go back to this and it drives you. So give me, give me more context. Cause I got a million things going on in my head right now. One of your, like when, when things are challenging, and then you, you think back to a lesson that somebody taught you, a boss, your dad, your uncle, a coach. Like, like for me, it's always, okay, you're going to get rewarded in public for the things you do in private. I can control what I do in private. I can control who I'm around. I can control what I'm reading. I can control what I'm feeding my brain. Like yep. for me, I've got that printed out and framed. So I look at that and say, okay, things are tough or if things are great. I can always control my personal development. That's mine. What's yours? Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll try to be pithy um, with my response. I, I would say I, I have a. You said something that um, you know is is around what you practice, right? And so I, I said at the beginning, who you are at the in the face of adversity is what defines you. But what allows you to be who you are? in the face to be somebody powerful in the face of adversity is only what you practice right so that stuff comes together when the when when things go go wrong right and so um so if you practice and and work yourself the right way um then when things go wrong you get to be that person um and it gets to come out you get to shine and lead and so and in those moments I say to myself, and it's another thing I've carried in a, in a big lesson I learned a long time ago, uh, especially when there's chaos all around you. And there, there was a lot of, and still is a lot of chaos around us right now. Uh, th three things, uh, control what you can control, influence what you can influence, F all the rest, right? Like my kids could probably repeat that because I've told them a thousand times, right? And, and I know my leadership team can control what you can control, influence what you can influence, screw all the rest. Um, don't worry about things you have no control and no influence over. Stop. Don't take up. Don't let them take rent space in your head and in your psyche. It's only a distraction. Control the things you can control. Exert the influence everywhere you can and just 
filter out all the rest of the stuff and and move forward every single day. So I, I try to carry that with me. I hope that works. That works fantastically. Jay Lamke, you have been, you meant the world to me and my growth and my career and everything that's going to happen in the future. You have imprints on and listener, if you haven't started following Jay Lamke, start doing that. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but your job to achieve the things you want to achieve is to feed your brain with the right information as often as possible. Repetition is the mother of learning. If you got value out of this podcast, go share it. You got colleagues that need to hear Jay's message, hit the share button, send it to them on text or get on iTunes and give us a five star. Let Jay hear from you. And it's you know really an honor for me to be able to circle back after you know 30 years of being in the professional world and go back to the people that have meant the world to me and interview them as I've been watching them create wildly successful things. And Jay Lamke, you're one of those guys. Thank you very much. Uh, honor and a privilege, Gene. Really appreciate it, man. Great, great fun. <laughs>